I'm Leah Carey, and this is Good Girls Talk About Sex. This is a place to share conversations with all sorts of women about their experience of sexuality. Before we get started, I want to tell you this. These are unfiltered conversations between adult women talking about sex. If anything about the previous sentence offends you, turn back now. And if you're looking for a trigger warning, you're not going to get it from me. I believe that you are stronger than the trauma you have experienced. I have faith in your ability to deal with the things that upset you. Sound good? Let's start the show. In today's episode, we're going to visit again with Jessie Neeland, a 32-year-old cisgender woman who describes herself as white, bisexual, single, and monogamish. You may remember Jessie from Season 1, Episode 7. She is the incredible body image coach who supported me through my sexual exploration over the past couple years. While it isn't my intention to interview people more than once on this podcast, Jessie is the exception. She spends a lot of time thinking about the same issues that I do. She's actively excavating them in her own life, and she is remarkably cogent in talking about challenging subjects. Recently, she wrote about beginning to explore queer sex, and she was able to express some things I've long felt, but never been able to put the right words to. You can find her online at jessieneeland.com and on Instagram at jessieneeland. I'll put those links in the show notes. And now, for the second time, I'm so pleased to introduce Jessie. So, Jesse, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk about this stuff. You recently sent out an email to your list. Um, people can find you at jessienealand.com and sign up for your uh, weekly emails, your Transparent Tuesday emails. You recently sent out an email about exploring queer sex that really got my attention because you were able to verbalize some things in that email that I have always felt, but had not been able to put really coherent words to. Mm. So I would love to just, um, before I start asking you more specific questions, have you talk a little bit about where you are in your process? Is um, experimenting with women new for you? Or is this something that's been going on for a while? Yeah, so I would say that I have always known I was bisexual sexually, that I was always attracted to women uh, and men. And I mean that like before, you know, like as far back as, as a person has thoughts about these things, I think that was always obvious to me. Weirdly, I didn't, I don't know if it's weird or not, I guess, but I, I didn't feel um, like I needed a label in any way. It honestly just felt so like dumb that someone wouldn't attract you know it just felt really like it felt very obvious to me it was like yeah you know how we're all attracted to everybody like and i wouldn't say that i i really embraced the bisexual label unless someone was specifically looking for like 
you know, if I was dating a guy and we were talking about like a threesome, for example, you know, they'd be like, oh, so you're really into this. Like you must be bisexual. And I'd be like, sure, like call it what you want. (laughs) Um, It just didn't resonate for me as a label because again, it just seemed like, I don't know. I just like pretty things. Like, why is that? Why does that need a like label and identity? Mm. Um, But always that was with in mind that like I would date men. I only ever dated men and I found women attractive and I hooked up with women over, you know, like the years, there were a handful of experiences here and there. I definitely would have liked more, but I kind of didn't know how to make them happen. Um, (laughs) A lot of moments of my life where like one of my very, you know, lovely straight girlfriends would be like, Oh my God, wouldn't it be crazy if we made out right now? And I'd be like, yes, I think we should do that. You know? And then, (laughs) and they'd be like, I know it would be wild. And they'd be like, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we we can, but I wouldn't like to, you know. So I think there's there was something about me that like drew a lot of that energy, and so I made out with straight girlfriends, and you know I had like hookups and threesomes and things that were all, you know, sort of scratching that itch a little bit sexually. But it literally never occurred to me to just date a woman. So I would say mm. when I finally heard the word uh, heteroromantic a few years ago that that was like, Oh, I guess maybe that's what's going on is romantically. I think men sexually, everybody, but part of that I'm now realizing it was pure conditioning. Like I just, I didn't know how to get a girlfriend. I didn't know where to go to, I didn't know how to talk to women. Um, given the work that I do, I never wanted to ever like make a woman feel objectified or, you know, sexualized. And so I just, I kind of was like, yeah, I'll just date men. It's easier. I know how to do it. I know when they're hitting on me. I know how to escalate that, you know? So, um, I'd say it took a really long time to embrace the term bisexual, which I'm now like, feel like that feels accurate. And I'm willing to say that the label is useful to use at times. Um, and then also there's something about the fact that I'm like actively dating women now that is very different and new. So the, the attraction is not new at all, but the romantic aspect is like within the last year. Mm. So you just brought up some terms that has been really important to me, but some people may not yet be familiar Mm. with, which is this distinction between bisexual and biromantic or heteroromantic, uh, that there, there's a spectrum of sexuality, but there's also a spectrum of where we choose to find our romantic attachments and that they don't necessarily always line up. I have discovered in my last few years of exploring that I am equally sexually attracted to both men and women, potentially a little bit more attracted sexually to women. But my romantic attachments are primarily to men. Um, Mm -hmm. And that once I'm romantically attached to a man, my sexual attraction to him grows exponentially. Yeah, yeah. I I would say I felt very similar. Yeah. What's your dating life now? Are you primarily pursuing females? Are you primarily pursuing what? Right. So because I've been traveling the last year, there really hasn't been an opportunity until very lately, like since I got to LA about two months ago, to really pursue women. Now, that's not to say that I wasn't interested or keeping, you know, like an eye out, but you get on Tinder in... (laughs) 
Mississippi or Texas <laughs> and, uh, or even upstate New York, frankly. Um, and you know, yeah, it's like dude, 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 woman, you know? And so not that those dudes were particularly interesting to me anyway. So I'd say a lot of my like single ship there was a real bummer just in general, but, uh, I have been purposefully, I've been excited about being in LA so that I can start uh, per- purposefully pursuing relationships with women. Um, which is something I say on dates now. I'm like, I'm looking for a girlfriend. It's like a funny thing to say to me, but it's true. Um, <laughs> I don't know why it's funny. It just is. And so I still match with men on, you know, dating apps and I still will go on dates with them when, you know, I'm like, I have a free night. They're the only ones who respond, but they are very much plan B to me. And I tell them that too, which as you can imagine, doesn't make the dates go super great. But um, (laughs) I'm like, hey, just so you know, if like a woman was interested, I would not keep seeing you Um, because that's the truth. And I think that a lot of the last year has been pushing me in this direction, but only since I've been in LA has it literally been like um, logistically possible. So Yes, I am trying to date women. It doesn't always work out in account of like the abundance of men is just higher. And I find in terms of who matches with me, you know, it's like all of the guys and a small portion of the women, which is something that now I'm thinking about, like how I present myself. I'm not gay enough looking to get the people that I, you know, might be interested in because there's this whole like world of gender presentation in the LGBTQ community that I have never really had to think about before. Um, And so it's, it's definitely an active choice. Like if I, my hair is really long right now, I look quite femme for myself. I shaved my head a few years ago. It's not like I necessarily prefer myself one way or the other. But it's interesting to notice, like, ooh, if I wanted to match with the femme, beautiful women who, who I see, uh, I probably can't really look like this. And what does that yeah. mean about like the power dynamics? Like, am I trying to step into my masculine side? Is there some energy that goes along with that sexual dominance or something? Like, it's just it's a mind blowing expo- exploration, and I'm loving it. It's so interesting. Um, but I definitely feel like I'm I'm at the baby, the first very beginning steps of exploring it as consciously as I am. Yeah. So from just a logistical point of view, when I started internet dating 10 plus years ago, uh, and I knew that I was interested in dating both men and women. And let me say I was in rural New Hampshire. <laughs> there was not a chance <laughs> in hell that was going to happen anyway. Right. But but um, you had to either say you were interested in men or you were interested in women. If you wanted to, uh, to be able to date both, you had to pay for two separate profiles. What? It was That's... absurd. Yes. Wow. Back in the dark ages. Um, so, but now apps and all of that are much more open to the possibility of bisexual. As time went on, I discovered that if I put bisexual on my profile, I would be rejected by both the men and the women. Yes. Um, And I wonder how that is for you now. It it is still like that. In fact, a lot of the women, I'm on this app called Her, which is just for um, women or uh, like trans non-binary, basically anybody but cis het men. And um, so I see a lot of profiles that say lesbians only not interested in bisexual women. And I'm interested in that because I have to assume they have good reasons, you know, for it to be such a common trend. Like my guess is 
that either it's what they connect with better. There's just like a certain amount of connection that they get better with somebody who shares a certain identity or orientation with them. Or that bisexual, a lot of women maybe identify as bisexual and like me, you know, really are heteroromantic and they're going to like drop the woman and find a guy in the end. And they just don't want to be messing with that kind of energy. So it's really interesting to see that. And I'm like, I can't really like get offended because, you know, you want what you want. But there's a part of me that's like, but why? <laughs> like, I'm cool too. You know, there's that, <laughs> that feeling like the bisexual, it doesn't appeal. And with the guys, I think it's less so of a problem, but definitely it's, it's in my bio. It says I'm more into women than men right now, FYI. And so it's like the first thing men will talk to like, Hey, sorry, I'm a guy, but you're so cute or something. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, it's cool. Whatever, you know? Yeah. So I think that it, it's on their minds, you know, it definitely like strikes them differently than just being straight, straight. One of the things that you mentioned a minute ago was the sort of communication gap between males and females, or I want to be a little more broad and say people who grew up in boy bodies and people who grew up in yes. girl bodies, because that really determined how we were socialized. Yeah. And so in this email that you sent out, and I'm going to make sure that there's a link to it in the show notes so people can go back and read the whole thing. But here's one of the things that just struck me so much. Plenty of male partners would ask me to tell them what I like. And I'd be like, oh, that's a big question. I mean, how much time do you have? <laughs> one big reason is that there's a massive language barrier between us. Men seem generally to assume that the answer to what I like is a stroke, an act, a position, or a technique. He's just trying to give me a few minutes of me time before we get to the real sex. That struck yeah. such a deep chord for me. And I'd mm. love if you could talk about that a little more and what your experiences of that yeah. with men versus with the women who you're dating now. Yeah. So I think that in part because having grown up in a girl body, I was socialized to put other people's needs first, especially the needs and desires of boys and men, that everything in me, like I have rebelled against all of that socialization as best I can. I've unlearned everything that I possibly can and I continue to do so. But everything in me still has like an intrinsic desire to please and to make the other person happy, especially if it's somebody I like and I'm attracted to, and you know, like, especially if it's my boyfriend, you know. So it's really, really impossible for me to know what I want when I know he wants something else. And I've worked really hard to stay in touch with what I want, but it is still a challenge. And so I think in moments like that, I need to know that this man fully, fully wants me to get what I want and is willing to go, you know, way off script or way in a totally different direction that is not what um, sex normally looks like in order for me to even remember that that's what I want, you know? Because otherwise, the, it just gets scrambled. Like in that moment when I know he wants to have sex, but he wants to make me like, you know, warmed up first, I can't really stay in touch with what I would actually want. It's like that gets taken off the table. And now I see four options in front of me. I'm like, he could go down on me. We could do this. We could do this. We could do this. And so I pick from what feels like the available options, but that's not deeply satisfying sex for me. That's just like fine sex or even good sex, but not like, oh my God, life-changing sex. Now I have had experiences with men where it was very clear because of how they held the space and set up um, 
you know, the, the interaction that I was allowed to. And in fact, like that he got off on me getting exactly what I wanted, including these very intense off script experiences of like a lot of times not involving genital touch or not involving, um, you know, anything that they would normally think of as sex. It is super arousing to me to like have a deep connective conversation, for example, or to feel appreciated and seen, you know, so in that moment when he's like, what do you want? I can't be like, tell me how you see me. You know, I mean, I, <laughs> I would like to, and I have, but for the most part, that would be a weird interruption of sex. And I find that it's just not as weird with women. Um, it's a lot easier because I think there is the shared understanding that it's not about the technique and it's not about like, like that they don't have this like immediate alter, uh, desire, you know, that they're not trying to just like thrust, you know, they're like really there with me, curious what I like and wanting to have an intimate experience. Um, and that's not to say, of course, I'm painting in very broad strokes here. It's not to say no women are like, uh, you know, afraid of intimacy and just want to get their fuck on because certainly some do. Uh, and it's not to say that there aren't sensitive men who want to have like tantric, uh, connected, intimate sex. There are, but you know, in broad strokes, I just find it a lot easier and a lot less like I'm trying to turn, you know, a, a boat around to be yeah. like, what I want most is to have you describe how you see me or what I want most is for us to like really feel safe and connected before touching. Um, that kind of stuff that like really, really turns me on is just not as it doesn't feel as interruptive or as weird with women. Mm. With my current partner, one of the things that we do a lot, we watch a bunch of TV together and we will lay, you know, sort of long wise on the couch with him behind me, with his arms around me and cuddle for hours without mm. anything happening. And there will be a moment at some point when all of a sudden my body will switch on and I'll be like, oh, yeah now's the moment. Mm. And it's not that I can't get turned on any other way. Sure. But that like long periods of feeling safe and connected and warm, like there's no other expectation of me mm. somehow allows me to feel that level of safe and connected that I've never been able to feel with any other man, because there was always that like, push and drive to the sexual act. Right. I want to go back and pick up something else you were saying a little bit ago about um, it being a little bit more complicated with women, because you don't want women to feel like you're preying on them. <laughs> yeah. Or in, you know, <laughs> and this is something that this is a conversation I've had numerous times with my other bisexual female friends that we all feel hmm. this, this feeling that I don't want to come on to women because I know how it feels to be come on to by someone I'm not interested in. And so yeah. I don't ever want to put somebody in that position. So can you yeah. talk a little bit more to that? God, yeah, it, it is a it is a new thing to think about because of the work that I do, I hold a very, very strong and safe space for women. And it is the default. I think that when I move through the world, I tend to be in that mode. Like if I meet a woman at a party, my 
first thought for her as we're chatting is like concern about her own self-worth and how she sees herself, you know, all of the like red flags go up when she mentions, you know, her thighs or what she's eating or something. I'm like, Oh God, she probably has, you know, these negative self thoughts that I work with my clients on. Um, and it's important to me not to compliment her appearance or her weight and instead to let her know that I think that she's wonderful based on what I've just seen. You know, it's like I go through all of this stuff to hold that space and it's my default. And that feels really non-sexual. So it's been a kind of an odd transition for me to be like, I'm still a sexual being and I'm still attracted to people, but I can't really do like that thing. And I don't know. Yeah, I guess it, to me, they still feel separate and I don't know if they need to feel separate or not. Um, but it's something I'm still experimenting with and exploring and still does not feel comfortable. So I think this is part of the reason I haven't dated women before, haven't ended up in a relationship with one, is like, I don't know when a woman is hitting on me. I don't know how to escalate it if she was. I don't have, the skills are different. The body language is different. The cues are different. Um, and so, yeah, I am afraid of overstepping, making somebody uncomfortable unless I'm getting really, really, really strong cues, which is why it's nice on a dating app because it's like she and I agreed that, you know, like that if there's attraction, we're good. You know, it's, it feels really much more peaceful to me to do it that way. Whereas if I was like in the wild, you know, at a bar and I met a girl and we were talking, <laughs> I, I would assume that she was not gay, not interested. I would assume that we, even if she was like gushing over me, that we might be great friends. And so I think there is, until something gets switched, I don't even experience attraction because that is my primary focus. And so part of this exploration for myself is putting myself in gay spaces, is like putting myself in places where I can take the blinders off that I walk around with that keep me from being attracted to anybody that I shouldn't be attracted to. Are you aching to explore new vistas of your sexuality? Do you hear me talk about concepts on this show and think it makes sense, but I need help applying it to my particular situation? That's where personalized sex and intimacy coaching comes in. When you work with me, I promise to help you feel safe exploring your sexuality. Together, we'll look at your needs and desires without judgment and help you figure out how to fulfill them. There is no single answer that's right for everyone, so I'm going to help you discover what's right for you. And we'll go at your pace. That's the pace that respects your emotional needs, your boundaries, and your nervous system. Because going too fast can send you into shutdown, while going too slow can be infuriating and exhausting. The goal is to find what's right for you. I work with clients who are motivated to explore many different areas of sexuality, including things like expressing your sexual desires to current or future partners, exploring if you might be queer, challenging body image insecurity in sexual relationships, dipping your toes into BDSM, exploring consensual non-monogamy, learning to date after a long time out of the dating pool, exploring your sexuality for later in life virgins, and so much more. I want you to have a deeply fulfilling, intimate life. And together, we can help you get there. 
For more information and to schedule your discovery call, visit leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. That's leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. You're so much in the middle of this exploration. Do you have any thoughts about what you hope the end point of it will be? Or are you too much in the middle of it to even know? I think I'm too much in the middle. But that said, I have like daydreams about, you know, falling in love with a woman and uh, her being the life partner that... I always wanted a male partner to be and was disappointed in one way or another. Um, So there certainly is a desire for that to be true, but I don't know that it's true. I might end up in relationships with women and, and the same way where I'm like, you know, it's maybe it's not about male, female at all. But for me right now, putting myself in these positions is giving me a chance to explore what if that is really like the solution that I've kind of been looking for as far as dating goes like you, I knew I was bisexual, or I, I I didn't even have a word for it. Mm. But I knew that I was attracted to to women um, early on, and didn't do anything about it. And as my relationships with men grew more and more fraught, it actually made me more frightened to pursue going, uh, having sexual Mm. experiences with women, because I thought, what if they're no better? What if the answer is just that I'm broken? <laughs> oh my God. Yes, I get that. I think there's something similar, not not sexually broken, but there is something that I'm like, I have been unsatisfied in my romantic relationships in a way that is a unique pattern to me. This is feedback that I've gotten from them. It's also something I've observed in myself. And there is a part of me that's like, shit, man, if it's not about gender, like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and And it certainly does in some ways feel a little bit like, I mean, I'm still going to be me, right? Like I'm still going to be, I'm still going to have all my stuff in a relationship with anybody. But um, when I first realized this, it opened up a huge, it was like the blinders came off for the first time. And actually I can tell you the story of when this happened if you want, because it was a very specific experience. So I was in Portugal and um, I was having this whole, for months I was living there having this whole exploration about gender Uh, I hadn't really thought about my sexuality too much beyond an awareness that when I lived somewhere where it was possible, I did want to try, you know, to pursue women more. Uh, Portugal was not um, abundant in that way. So I was like, oh, whenever I get somewhere next, you know. And then on my last night, I had met this bartendress um, multiple times at a place that I really liked to go. And it was my final night in Portugal. I was like, I'm going to take myself out. Um, And I went to this place and I was sitting at the bar. And instead of bartending, she was sitting next to me. She was like behind the bar or, you know, in front of the bar. And we started chatting and she's so pretty. And I was definitely still in the place of like, what great friends we could be. What a fun experience with this other you know, the default thing is like, she's probably completely straight. She looks like a very feminine, um, you know, anyway, but we were having, we're having a very connected, a slightly tipsy, fun chat. And then she had mentioned her ex-boyfriend and I said something along the lines of, so are you completely straight? (laughs) And, (laughs) And she like gave me this look and was like, actually, 
no. And it turns out that she had been married to a woman. And so just hearing that information, it was like a big chunk of blinders came off. And I was able to notice that A, we were flirting, which I I could not have told you until that moment. And B, I was very attracted to her, which again, I could not have told you until that moment. So I would have said she was beautiful because she was, but I wouldn't have said I'm having a response to her beauty, you know, until I knew that she was at least somewhat available in that way. Now she hadn't said, and I'm crushing on you, but it just gave me this context where like this first set of blinders came off and I was like, oh damn. And then as it kind of continued to escalate and I had this already a bit of that context in my mind, um, it, it continued. It was like more and more blinders came off and I was like, it's on like, this is, it's, this is happening. Like she's flirting with me. She wants, you know, so we like, she, she asked to kiss me. We made out outside. A bunch of guys were watching while they were like having a cigarette, just like literally impassive Portuguese people just like watching like, huh. And then, (laughs) um, (laughs) uh, yeah. And then we left and we went dancing and on the dance floor, we were like all over each other. It was so sexy. And I realized in that moment, how grateful I am to be a female person because if I had been a guy and I was just like, oh, I think I'm going to make out with this guy now, you know, there would have been a very different reaction, I think. Whereas mm-hmm. two women being all up on each other on the dance floor is like, nobody really cared. So that was an interesting thought that I had at that moment. Um, and then it kind of, you know, it went on. We had this awesome night that ended in uh, hooking up and I was, I have never felt so like proud of myself for making <laughs> someone orgasm. It was like, I don't even know how to put it. I was so honored that this like insanely beautiful creature wanted me to touch her. And then when I did and it felt good, I was like, I wanted to high five everyone on earth. And I've never had that feeling about (laughs) fucking a guy before. I've never, I mean, you know, like I'd certainly take a certain amount of validation from it and pleasure and all the other things, but I've never had that particular feeling of like, I can't believe that someone that hot wants me to do this to them. And it was just delightful. And then the whole next day, I was like in the airport flying back to the US. Um, the whole next day, I was like uncontrollably giggling to myself. Like, I just can't believe that I was allowed to do that. And our entire conversation before it turned really like, you know, flirtatious and then sexual had been about like, I hope she doesn't listen to this podcast. Uh, <laughs> she's going to know it's her. Um, anyway, so yeah, so the, our whole conversation had been about like her travels. She like drove around the country in a van for a, a long time, uh, drove around Europe in a van. And so I was like so enamored with her courage and her badassery. And like, so there was this feeling that I don't think I, I get with men much, which is like respect. Like I respected her as a person so much that the fact that she wanted us to be sexual felt like, um, I just felt so goddamn cool. I felt like, (laughs) you know, my own status and my own eyes like went through the roof because she, this amazing human saw me as appealing. I don't know. I can't even describe it, but it was so amazing. And so the whole next day I'm like processing it and I'm giggling and I'm like in the airport, just like having this whole experience being like, what happened? Um, I was feeling very sad that I hadn't, um, it hadn't happened earlier because I absolutely would have like dated her. We, we would have like, you know, spent every day together and like, she would have wanted her to be my girlfriend. I'm not even kidding. I had like visions of like her being my wife. She was like, just this delightful human. And she talked about, she had a a kid who was uh, like an early teenager. Um, but she was talking about like how she loved babies and she loved being pregnant. And I was like, 
this was before we had gotten to the flirtatious part. I had this flash of like, God, she'd be such a like cute, hot, pregnant person and mom, whatever. And then once we were flirting, it was like, or actually it was probably the next day I had this thought. I was like, oh my God, she could be like my cute, hot mom. And like, that's like a thing. If we dated, I could just have that. And like, it was mind blowing that it had never occurred to me to be romantic with a woman in that way. And it was like, I needed 8,000 blinders to come off in exactly that order for me to even realize the next day, like, oh my God, if I dated a woman, she could be pregnant and I wouldn't have to, and we could raise kids and we would just be on the same page. And she's so, she could be like, you know, the way I feel about women is they're like, so much better. They're so awesome. Like they're so powerful and they're so strong and all of this stuff that I love about them. I could just date someone like that. And I'm saying this all, and it sounds ridiculous to me, but it was the first time I'd ever had any of those thoughts. So that was when the real process of like, I think I want to date women began. Um, and it was like pretty night and day, I would say. And since then, I've found myself attracted to women um, in a very different way, like without, without all those blinders built in, I think. You know, they're still there in different contexts, but... I would say that I never thought I was attracted to feminine looking women. I always thought I liked like very boyish androgynous, like Ruby Rose type of women, um, which kind of makes sense. Cause I think I was only comfortable with being attracted to people who sort mm. of fit the, the experience profile of who had given me pleasure and who I had sex with and who I, you know, vibe yeah. with. And so this changed that this gave me a whole new context for who I'm attracted to uh, and who I connect with. And I don't know, it changed a lot. So um, it's just interesting to notice. I think all of those things were there, but they were just socialized to be kind of um, di like the dimmer switch was down low, you know? Mm. It's really interesting. I love that story, by the way. That's <laughs> an awesome story. <laughs> it's really interesting to hear you say that about um, who you're attracted to, and then to reflect back on what you said earlier in the conversation about thinking that you are not now the way that you're presenting gender right now may not necessarily be attracting the sort of femi women who you are interested in. And so why? Like, why do you assume that a femme woman wouldn't be interested in you presenting exactly the way that you are? So part of it is who's matching with me on, on apps. And it tends to be um, statistically more masculine presenting women. And part of it also is having talked now with <laughs> basically every data gone with a woman, I'm like sharing of where I'm at and just like gathering intel. I'm like, so where do you go to meet women? <laughs> um, but yeah, so something that I've heard a lot is that it's really, really unusual and actually a little bit mind bending to see two feminine looking women in a partnership um, because it's rare, not because it's impossible. It's just rare. And so that has led me to exploring and asking questions about, is it rare because uh, there's like a social pressure for one person to look and take a certain role? Or is there an attraction component to this? Um, and if so, like as a person who I feel very fluid in this way and over the years with my hair length and clothing choices, I, I think I can go back and forth between these two ways. I wouldn't feel free being just one role in a relationship. You know, like if somebody chose me because she loved how feminine looking I was, like then half of me wouldn't 
necessarily uh-huh. be her type and vice versa. So it's interesting to think about myself in this way because the gay culture certainly in um, it encourages, I think, a little bit of identifying with one role or the other. And yeah, it's just a brand new thought like, oh, do I want to be identified with one or the other? Not really, because I think like in every other area of my life, I have a foot in both worlds and, and I am attracted to both uh, you know, androgynous looking or feminine looking women. And so for me, I, I just don't want to have to like shave my head to attract the right person because that doesn't necessarily feel genuine to me at the moment, but I can see why it, it would actually perhaps be a good move for me in the long run. If mm-hmm. there is a snap judgment that happens about who I'm the right partner for. So That's fascinating. And I wonder, because my experience in Portland has been very different than that. Mm. I see couples where those gender, um, gender norms, (laughs) that's a weird word to use when you're talking about um, non-traditional relationships, but you know, where it is entirely possible to see two femme women together or to see two butch women together. Um, Mm. And so it, it makes me curious about whether that has something to do with how um, LA tends to be a very um, like people are very focused on how they're presenting themselves. At least that's what I assume because it's the world of Hollywood. <laughs> and, well, that's interesting. You know, people are- I, I could totally see that. I mean, and like I said, this is such a baby exploration. Like it's, I'm so new to it. I, I could end up wrong, but I think a lot of the conversations I've had, they've all been for the most part, women in LA and it has certainly, uh, and also the matches, you know, that I'm getting, it has mm-hmm. certainly felt like a pattern and, <laughs> and there's something else to it, which is like, I don't know that it's a pattern because of how they all want to be, or if it's a pattern because they're all following the rules. So yes. yeah. I could see in a, in a place like Portland, maybe those rules don't have as strong of a hold and therefore those same people just get to present differently. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a very big culture here of gender fluidity and gender non-conforming where people are, and it's like even like the license, uh, not license plates, uh, driver's licenses recently, Mm. um, you now can put gender non-conforming. Uh, as your gender on your driver's license. Like that is a thing here. So I think that there's just a lot more acceptance of that sort of fluidity that maybe is, is different in other parts. Well, certainly different in other parts of the country, maybe even on other parts of the West coast. (laughs) Friends, if you love these conversations, I would love your help to keep them going. There are three ways you can participate. Two are free, and one is for listeners who've got a few extra dollars each month. Number one, take a screenshot of this episode right now and post it to your Instagram stories. Tag me in your post, and if it's public, I'll reshare and send you a personal thank you. Word of mouth is the best way to build buzz for an independent show like Good Girls Talk About Sex. And the more people listening, the healthier our collective sexual experiences will become. Number two, don't want the whole world to know you're listening to a show about sex? I get it. Perhaps you heard something in this episode that reminds you of a past conversation with a friend 
or something you wish your partner knew. Send them a link to this episode and a quick message about why you think they should listen. And number three, if you have the resources to support the sex positive work I do, I'd be grateful for your support at Patreon. Donating the equivalent of a fancy cup of coffee each month might not make a big difference to you, but it makes a huge difference to me. There's absolutely no contract or obligation. You can cancel at any time. Plus, I donate 10% of all proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are currently being legislated out of existence. It's easy to become a patron at patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. And one more thing, there is a treasure trove of additional audio at Patreon that's free to everyone. You don't even need to have a Patreon account to access them. Just go to patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex to start listening. I appreciate every one of you. Whether you're a client, a patron, a social media follower, or a silent listener, I trust you to know what's right for you. Thank you for being here. Now, let's get back to the show. Before we finish up, let's do the quick five. Five quick questions we'd usually be too polite to ask any good girl. Do you have sex during your period? Um, I have. I don't really get a period anymore, which is actually a whole other thing. Um, Hormonally speaking, I'm kind of a disaster at the moment, but... I did when I had it, as long as the other person was super, super into it, you know, as long as they really didn't care. Have you ever had a sexual urge that confused you? Hmm. I would say I have had a lot of sexual urges that made me curious. And um, certainly a lot of these, this exploration that we've been talking about has brought up many of those moments. Um, A good example would be like, I'm attracted to women, but I'm not, have not been attracted to trans women. And so even though I think they're beautiful, it's interesting to me, just like, why not? And then trans men, for some reason, there's a lot more like potential there. Um, I've seen trans men that I found attractive and, um, you know, the thought of like, well, if I swipe right and we talk and then we hook up, like I just don't know enough about what I would be attracted to and what I would want to do with somebody depending on the different, um, you know, options. Uh, and so there's, I would say there's a lot of confusion about that for me, um, in terms of like, do I want this? And if so, it's just interesting to me, like, why, what am I, what am I being drawn by in a trans man that isn't there in a trans Woman, I don't know. I'd say there's a lot of things that make me very curious, and perhaps confused is the right uh, the right word as well. Maybe nervous, even sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> How often do you masturbate? Ooh, that changes a lot as well. And you know, I'm noticing more with uh, hormonal bullshit going on um, that I can go like weeks without thinking about it. 
And then all of a sudden for days, it's like sometimes multiple times a day. So I'm like, that's, that's a new pattern. It didn't used to be like that. I'd say it used to be kind of like four or five days a week if I was single. It was like the same amount that I would want to have sex. Um, and I think that it, it does seem to be shifting. I'm, I remember my um, masturbatory habits changing over time through my 30s. They changed several times. Hmm. Um, and I, I have to believe that it has something to do with hormones. Hmm. I've also like gone on and off different birth controls over the last couple of years to try to handle um, PMDD, which is just like a, a hormonal nightmare. So I think that it's responsive to that. And it's also hard to tell because they take a while. You know, it's like it takes a few months for each thing to sort of stabilize. So I can't really tell exactly what's causing what, but it's definitely shifting. How do you feel about hearing other people have sex? Like if you're in a hotel room or something? <laughs> I think it's hot. I like it. I mean, I, I certainly think that there's a bit of like, uh, what's the word for people who like to watch other people have sex? Voyeurism? Yeah, a little bit of voyeurism. I'm like, ooh. <laughs> so yeah. What is the activity that is most likely to bring you to orgasm? My vibrator. <laughs> um, but in terms of like partnered sex, um, my own hand, honestly, probably is the most likely because I know what I'm doing. <laughs> and yeah. Other people, it's like, I mean, I can give instructions, but it's, uh, it's usually just easier to do it myself. Awesome. Jesse, thank you so much. It is such a joy to be able to have these conversations with you. And thank you for helping me to get to a place where I can have them. I'm so grateful to you. Oh, thank you. I mean, I could literally go for another like two hours. This is such fun to talk about. <laughs> My guess is that you may be the one guest who we have on every season. <laughs> <laughs> yes, awesome. <laughs> That's it for today. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, or if you're using another podcast app, go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash goodgirls. And remember, there's a treasure trove of audio extras available for free at Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash goodgirlstalkaboutsex. While listening to those extras is free, producing this show is not. If my work is meaningful to you, and you have a few dollars to support it each month, I will gratefully accept your patronage at Patreon. I donate 10% of all Patreon proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are increasingly difficult to obtain. Find out more and become a community member at patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. Show notes and transcripts for this episode are at goodgirlstalk.com. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Good Girls Talk for more sex positive content. If you have a question or comment about anything you've heard on the show, call and leave a message at 720-GOOD-SEX. Good Girls Talk About Sex is produced by me, Leah Carey, and edited by Gretchen Kilby. I have additional administrative support from Lara O'Connor and Maria Franco. Transcripts are produced by Jan Asiello. Before we go, I want to remind you that the things you may have heard about your sexuality aren't true. 
You are worthy. You are desirable. You are not broken. As your sex and intimacy coach, I will guide you in embracing the sexuality that is innately yours, no matter what it looks like. To set up your free discovery call, go to leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. Until next time, here's to your better sex life.